Hey, hello, and welcome to the show. It's me, John Park, and I've turned on my microphone. Yay! Uh, here we are. It's Thursday. It's time for John Park's workshop. Uh, and I'm glad to see you all. Thanks for stopping by. Hi, Dave Odessa over in YouTube land and everyone else over in Discord. Hello, hello, hello. Yaniscu, C. Grover, Andy Calloway, Hugo. Who else is here? Uh, okay, you're on. Hey, Steve. Gary Z, welcome. I hope I didn't miss anyone. Uh, and uh, let's do this. Let's get the show going. First of all, that's the biggest piece of gaffer tape I could have possibly used to put this microphone on. Could have gone a little smaller next time. Uh, let's see, let's mix up the order of things a little bit here, just because I, I meant to show this and I forgot uh, a couple weeks ago. Not this, I'm gonna drink water. Mmm. Ah, delicious water. But the thing I wanted to show that I forgot a couple weeks ago is uh, a little bit of a gear report thing, and that is, you may have seen this in, in, on, my, on my bench before, that's this little parts tray. Uh, silicone rubber parts tray. I've got a couple of these now, and I love them for putting little parts when you're assembling something, if you're getting some, some uh, pieces and parts together for something you're soldering, um, if you're taking screws out of something and want to set them down. I like this. This is a neat one. Uh, I'm sure there are others like it, but this one I got from County Com. Uh, I think they're out of stock right now, so I'm not going to throw their website up there, but they're like $7 or something like that, and you may be able to find them elsewhere. Um, I've used ice cube trays and things before, but this is the first time I've gotten sort of a, a real specific hold your parts thing. Um, I've also had some of these metal ones around over the years. I don't know where they've all gone right now. Here's one. These are nice for screws. Um, these sort of magnetic parts trays has a big, it's me, uh, metal and has a big magnet in the bottom. But anyway, that's, uh, that's sort of a, a product pick gear report type of thing. Check it out. County Com, C-O-M-M, -M, sells them, but they're out of stock right now, so I won't flash up their webpage, but uh, you might find them elsewhere. Just look for a silicone parts tray. Pretty neat, eh? Um, all right, I'll leave that there. Let's see. What else is up? Uh, questions. Got a question over in uh, the YouTube chat from Charles Burnford. Hey, John, can you recommend a 3D printing service? I... Cannot. I haven't used any uh, other than Shapeways many years ago. I used Shapeways a couple times, and I recommend them if you're doing advanced materials and, and um, printing technologies because they have all sorts of fantastic, like, fused laser deposition models and things like that. Um, big, giant, expensive machines. So depending on the type of thing you're trying to do, but as far as uh, if you're asking about sort of uh, FFD, regular old 3D printer type of uh, printing, I don't know. So I'm curious if anyone over in the chat, either in the YouTube chat or in the Discord chat has any recommendations. In fact, let me pop up the Discord chat. There you are, hey Discord chat. Um, and let me know, does anyone have the uh, have anyone have the recommendations for 3D printing service? Uh, Hugo said, I'm featuring products that are already out of stock rather than having them sell out while I talk about them. Yeah, I don't know if that's any better or not. Sorry about that. Uh, but those guys, Countycom, they tend to um, bring things back. So you can sign up uh, if, you, if you click on their little uh, alert me thing on the email. They'll, they'll let you know when that's back. Um, yeah, 
So that's it. Yeah. Any, any uh, suggestions on three printing services? We'd be interested to know. Um, I know there, there used to be some things like, what was it called? A thousand garages, uh, where, where it was a hub, 3D hubs, I think was one that connect a bunch of people with either laser cutters or, um, 3D printers who are local to you, so you could get one made nearish by and then have it shipped or even dropped off or picked up. Uh, all right, so we'll keep an eye on the chat in case anyone has suggestions about that. And uh, then let's get on with some other business. Help wanted sign. Hey, we've got a jobs board. It's jobs.adafruit.com. Uh, if you head there, you'll see things like this. Uh, look, it's our good friends at MacInspire's Makerspace, and they are looking for a Makerspace manager. So uh, that's in their Chelsea location. It's full-time, education and teaching category. Uh, and there's a bunch of info there about responsibilities of the position as well as qualifications. So if you're looking for something like that, that's, a, that's an interesting posting. So go, go check that out, won't you? Uh, it's free to post. It's free to post your info as well. If you're looking to hire someone, if you're looking to uh, get hired, that's, uh, that's all at jobs.adafruit.com. So go check that out. Uh, all right, let's see. Next thing, another delicious drink of water. Mm. There's one answer uh, to Charles' question about 3D printing services. Some uh, Hugo says in the Discord chat, some makerspaces and libraries have services you can use for a nominal fee. Uh, I used to go to a, a makerspace here in uh, Los Angeles that did that. They, they were a makerspace. You could be a member, but you could also just walk in and, and get stuff printed as a service. That's a good tip uh, to search maybe for your local 3D or your local uh, hackerspaces and makerspaces, see if anyone's doing any 3D printing. Uh, all right, so on Tuesdays, I do a show that is the JP's product pick of the week show. And this week, I did not pick Jane and Todd's most delicious sweet meringue, Swiss meringue buttercream. Uh, that was just a fake out for the real thing. Uh, here's the real thing. It is the SCD30 CO2 sensor in STEMIQT format. There you can see there's my CO2 parts per million. So I've got a, this is, the workshop is, is pretty well ventilated. This is really, I think one of the best demos is breathe on it, right? So there you can see I have significantly increased the amount of carbon dioxide in that area. It's a really cool sensor. Like Lady Ada said, this one is really doing the, the proper calculation for CO2. It's not just guessing based on other particulate matter and volatile organic uh, gases in the air. This one is, uh, is straight up CO2 sensing. So that is my product pick of the week. It is the SCD30 CO2 sensor. By the way, if you're wondering how that image came to be, uh, I was talking to my friend Todd. I was chatting with him while I was working on my uh, thumbnail for that, and uh, he sent me a picture of this delicious set of cupcakes he and his daughter Jane were making. I got really hungry for them, and so I decided to use that picture in my <laughs> blurred out version, the teaser photo. It seemed appropriate. Boy, those look good. Uh, all right, what else? Uh, the, um, the next thing. What's the next thing? Let's see. Uh, so this is a fun one. A little bit first about 
April Fool's Day. I think, in general, most people are of the same mind that we don't really want to be faked out today, uh, this year. Enough weird stuff has gone on that we don't really want a lot of April Fool's pranks and fake product announcements. However, uh, one exception I'll make is this. Uh, let me open it up in my, in my web browser. This is uh, The Game Changer for Black Box by 1010 Music. Uh, let's see. Let me open it up. Yeah, that, that'll work. Um, this, the reason I make the exception is that they, they created this, this uh, terrific uh, sort of fake ad for adding uh, game-playing capabilities to this hardware sampler. It's a sequencer and sampler. Uh, you know, and they said, hey, ha happy April Fool's. But what they did was they actually released the firmware. So it's not really a prank. They really ported uh, shareware version of Doom to run on the, uh, the black box. And the black box is based on a STM32F4, I think. I have some notes here. Where did I write that down? Um... Yeah, it's an STM32F4 is the processor under there. It's got this nice big touchscreen. So uh, Aaron Higgins and the gang over at 1010 Music actually got this running. Um, they uploaded the code, uh, the sort of binary firmware update, so that you can flash your, your machine with this. Uh, and not only does it play Doom, but it also lets you access all of the Doom sound effects using a MIDI controller. So I had to try it. So... Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run over to my workbench there. Uh, and that's it. That's my black box running Doom. Uh, underneath it there, I have the uh, a, a little MIDI sequencer and keyboard. You've seen me show this before. This is by our good friend Steve, uh, who's in our chat as OK, you're on. Uh, and this is a, a, a MIDI and CV keyboard and sequencer. Uh, and uh, I'm going to go I'm gonna go show you what this is, what this is capable of, because it's kind of... Uh, Kind of hilarious and kind of awesome. Let's uh, let's take a look at this. So uh, here you can see. First of all, if I turn up the sound, all right, you can you can hear that, right? I'm not using a mixer or anything. I'm just playing it on a little uh, monitor here for myself. Uh, so here you can see. I can zoom in on this. In fact, try to focus a bit. Uh, so here you can see the, bu the buttons that are usually used on this machine for, you know, making music uh, now act as a uh, sort of WASD keys, strafing, turning. Uh, we can open this door. There's some demons there. We can... All right, let's run. Uh, uh, I I've bumped into the door. Oh, that's not good. All right, let's turn around. Let's get out of there. Uh, <laughs> it is not easy to play it this way, I, I will admit. Um, but then, check this out. Let's let's uh, I'll get out of there. If we uh, use our little MIDI keyboard here, there's a good, I don't know, three octaves worth of sound effects from the game. Pretty much, I think, all of the, the normally accessible sound effects in the game you can access with your MIDI keyboard. So there <laughs> a bunch of awesome upsetting sounds. Um, my favorite is there's, there's always, I forget who does it, but this is kind of, I call it squorkle, squorkle. Uh, let's see, is this it? That's it. 
That's such a good sound. Can you hear that? How awesome is that? Um, and then, of course, the, um, the temptation here is to not just play stuff on the keyboard, but to sequence it. So um, the Omex 27 here is a sequencer, besides being a keyboard. So if I move it into sequencer mode and pick a sequence, uh, let's see, do I have any that I set up? Let's try this. Oh, there's my squircle. Oh, and you can do that while you're playing, too. So there's your soundtrack for your game. All right, so that's absolutely absurd, and it is my favorite thing. I've, you, you can, of course, put the black box back to its normal uh, duties as a sequencer and sampler. Uh, sampler play, sample playback machine. It's a fantastic instrument. I love it, but um, you know, it's just a it's just a quick flash on an SD card to turn it into a very very weird Doom playing machine. So uh, big ups to Ten Ten Music, uh, Aaron and Christine. Thanks for sharing that with the world. It's um, it's pretty great. Uh, oh yeah, Todd Bot says in the chat, it's an instant Halloween soundboard for sure. Um, back up there. Look at that. Isn't that cool? It's a great screen on there too. So the, um, the, the doom just looks awesome on there. The resolution, that's a pretty high resolution screen. I don't know what the, it's like 800 and 600, 800 by 600 or what the, what the resolution was of doom in those shareware versions, but it looks fantastic on that screen. Um, and, uh, they say they're not going to do any updates. Uh, if you check out, I, I, uh, had their, um, web page up here. Let me bring that back up. Uh, <clears throat> there's the firmware down, download on their forums and they give some info about, uh, it's based on some, uh, <clears throat> excuse, excuse me. It makes use of doom open source code. That's on GitHub. And there's a link chocolate doom. I don't know what that is. It might be like chocolate rain, chocolate doom for the STM, uh, 32 F4 discovery board, which is a, a sort of dev kit for, for the STM 32 F4 and the 1.8 shareware edition for publicly available game levels. So, uh, yeah, they said they're not going to be updating it, so don't send them bug reports. Don't ask to add a mouse or anything like that. It's not going to happen. They've got more pressing things to do. Uh, but there you go. That's, that's Doom. Uh, you know, it, there's always been this joke of porting Doom to things, porting it to refrigerators and cameras. I've never played Doom on a weird device. This is actually the first time I've done it. I've always heard of that, but I, I've never gone out of my way to play Doom on a weird thing. Now I have. I feel better. So thanks. Thanks for that. All right. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And moving along, let me check out uh, what's going on in the chat. Uh, yeah, Chen, Chen Danielli also says sounds would make a nice Halloween soundboard for sure. Um, what else? Let me, let me scroll back a little bit uh, and see if we have in our Discord any... Uh, any other chatter? Anyone any uh, 3D printing advice? Places to get stuff 3D printed? Uh, that's right. Uh, the, Mr. Certainly said it reminds me of ThinkGeek who advertised a Tauntaun sleeping bag for April 1st. It was so popular they decided to make it. That's my kind of April 1st thing is um, 
because you know April Fools, the the product release thing of fake products, it kind of has a nasty element of like, haha, we made you think this thing was cool and now you look dumb. Uh, so I respect when when you say, all right, we'll make the thing. That's a good move. Um, what else? Squarkle. Squarkle, squarkle. That's a good sound. All right. Yeah, bucket list. I can check that off. I've played Doom on something that isn't a general purpose computer. Yeah. All right. So uh, now what I wanted to do is move on to uh, a project of the week. And you can see it written right down there. It says Feather uh, RP2040 Cricket Touchlight. What is that? Uh, I will show you. Let me switch over to this camera. And I'm just going to demonstrate this. Um, yeah, okay, that, that'll work right there. So probably the focus isn't great. Let me focus that. I've got manual focus set up on this one right now. There it was. Looks focused-ish, I think. Um, so what I've got here, this is my little sort of cutaway demo wall. I've shown, shown this before. And on the cutaway demo wall, I have an AC uh, outlet switch and a... Um, bulbs, uh, uh, socket for a bulb. This is all running off of uh, wall power, 120 volt AC. And I, you may recall a few years ago, I made a project that used an NRF52840 based feather to use Bluetooth LE as a remote light switch. And I've had that hooked up here in my shop ever since. Uh, I use it all the time. But what I wanted to do was check out the NRF, or rather the RP2040 based, so the Raspberry Pi Foundation chip, uh, RP2040 based feather, uh, using this same Cricut, make sure that the Cricut libraries work on it, and uh, then instead of doing a remote thing, because I don't want to then plug in a, a Bluetooth module, I want to try out using some capacitive touch. So there is capacitive touch on the RP2040 itself. Uh, it requires you to, to hook up a I think it's a one mega ohm resistor per um, pin, but you can get like 20 something, I think 21 pins or something like that of cap touch, allegedly. I haven't tried it. As I was thinking about doing that, this idea of doing Cricut things came along and, and uh, sort of took over. The Cricut itself has four cap touch pads, so I decided to just use those, make it easy. And uh, what you can see, I've got an alligator clip hooked up to one of the cap touch pads. And then I've run that to some copper tape up here. And now when I touch the copper tape, it does the on or the off. It kind of keeps track of state. Uh, one thing you'll notice is that I have, when the bulb is on, I have a green NeoPixel on the uh, feather board. And then when I turn it off, it goes to a red one, just in case you didn't notice the big bulb there. You also have the, the state showing right there. Uh, and that's it. So it's a, it's a pretty straightforward thing. Uh, if I zoom in here, um, let's see, it might be easier to, you know what I'll do is I'll, I'll tip the, I'll tip that over and show it right here. Zoom out just a little bit on that one. Uh, bear with me. Let me set up some cameras here. And I'm going to tip this. This could be dangerous. Let's see. I don't want to squish any of my MIDI gear, sequencers and things. Yeah, that should work, right? Let's uh, have a look at that over there. So, let's 
things plugged in while I do this. Whoa, I touched the, <laughs> I touched the capacitive touch uh, copper there and made it do its thing. All right, let's see how close we can zoom in. There, you know what, I might be able to just move the camera a little. There we go. Uh, so here you can see it a little bit better. Here I have the Feather RP 2040. It plugs into this Cricut. This is the Featherwing Cricut. So we have a few different Cricuts. We have one where a Circuit Playground board, Circuit Playground Express board, uh, will bolt onto it. I think Circuit Playground Bluetooth as well. The, uh, there's one that you can use with a Raspberry Pi. Uh, I think it fits the Pi A. And then we have the uh, micro bit one. And this is the feather one. This is the fourth of them. I think that's what we have. And uh, if you're not familiar with it, the Cricut board, is sort of a breakout board for robotics. It makes it easy because your microcontroller can just speak uh, over general purpose I.O. pins or SPI, I think in some cases, to this uh, Cricut board through the Seesaw chip, which then takes care of all of this input and output. There's motor drivers on here. There's four servo outs. I think it's four, yeah. There's a couple of motor outs. You can uh, plug NeoPixels into it and it'll run them at five volts. So whole bunch of cool stuff is done. This takes care of the power. You can see I've got a DC power uh, jack plugged in here from the wall. You can also use batteries. Um, and it's a really nice sort of uh, beginning robotics platform. Uh, takes care of a lot of the hard stuff for you. And you can see here, if I zoom out a little bit, push that down there. That ought to do it. Uh, it's uh, self-calibrating, so as soon as I powered this up, it calibrated the capacitance of that antenna that we have there, so uh, it doesn't go off just because it has a, a long line attached to it, which can happen sometimes. Um, you can also use the capacitive touch on board. I actually set all four of them to, to do the same thing, so you can hit any of those pads right there. Uh, so this could be uh, remote too. It could be a, a place where you can't access the switch very easily or if you have um, accessibility needs, make it easier for someone to just touch a, a body part to the copper. It should work through clothing too. Um, I've got short sleeves on today, so it's not gonna work here. We'll use my shoulder. There you go. You can, you can just bump that with your shoulder even if uh, you're wearing clothes. You don't actually have to have direct physical contact. It's not like a resistive switch where you have to hold ground or anything like that. Uh, it just works on your capacitance. You could probably even trigger it by being close. So I'm not even touching it here, I'm just getting close. Which means you can set that underneath things like a piece of glass or plastic or thin uh, piece of wood. Anything that isn't metal, you should be able to still, you know, a millimeter or two thick uh, slice of something, maybe an eighth inch, you can still get that capacitance. Uh, so it's kind of a, a, a practical thing, and it's also sort of a neat, interesting way to deal with uh, a user interface issue, input and output. Um, and I'll, I'll show you the code that I have for this. It's really rough because I hacked it together quickly this morning when I changed my mind about what I was building. Uh, so this was, this was all made very quickly this morning. Um, let's see, if I switch over to this Atom here. Put a little me in the corner there and uh, put that, that in the background. Hey, look, you still see Doom. Uh, here is my code. It's a bit overkill because uh, the code I grabbed it from was doing something a little, uh, little more uh, complex than what I need this to do. But 
you can see here what's happening. I'm importing some libraries, including time, so I can pause. Uh, the board definition, board library for definitions of pins, digital I.O., NeoPixel, so I could change that NeoPixel color, and then the Cricut library. So the Cricut library handles all these sort of motor libraries and servo libraries and things under the hood. Um, so it's kind of a high-level library that makes life easy. Set up my little onboard LED so I know what's powered up. Set a couple of colors for the NeoPixels, red and green. Uh, create the NeoPixel object. And then I've got some variables here. These I kind of needed to fine-tune back when I did the original project um, for this little 3D printed servo bracket thing, uh, the angles. So I was going to full, full up 180 degrees, neutrals at 120, down is only down to 95, and that, that works well with the switch and the servo. Um, and then this is the setup, which I said is a little more uh, involved than it needs to be, because I actually had a project I did a while ago where I puppeteered, I think it was four fingers on a cardboard puppet back uh, for the Ada box that included the Cricut, I believe it was. Um, so this was just a lot of that code that I grabbed and, uh, and ransacked. So I've created a couple of, uh, I have these variables that check the state of those four different cap, uh, cap touch switches. I only really needed one. Then I have a couple of functions here that do the uh, servo up and servo down. You can see I'm, instead of just straight going to a, um, uh, a value, which happens very quickly, I'm instead stepping through it, so it's a little more gradual. It still seems pretty fast, but it uh, allows me to do things like back, I kind of anticipate before I go, which gives me a little more oomph. I think when I was just trying to go there directly, it would get stuck because it's a very tiny servo. So I actually kind of give myself some inertia and momentum by backing up and then flying into the, into the switch there. Um, doesn't matter as much on this demo switch because it's a nice, clean, easy switch. The one here in my workshop that I'm actually using is kind of crusty and old. <laughs> it didn't turn too easily. Um, and then this is the main loop of the program. I am checking those, those uh, cap touch switches. If any of them gets a value, then I run uh, the servo down function. And I have a state called switched that I switch to false. If this is set to false, then I go up. If it's set to true, then I go down. So it's just flipping either way that it's going to either the servo up or the servo down function gets called. Um, and that's about it. So uh, I'll, I can clean this code up, but you can, you can I, I hope you can see sort of the um, basic simplicity uh, of using the Cricut along with the RP2040 to make this cool little light switch. Let's stand this guy back up here. And uh, there you go. So now that's uh, two different ways that you can do a light switch with that same setup. If you're wondering, I'm talking about this project. Let me uh, open up a browser real quick and I'll show you that one. Uh, so if you go to the learn.adafruit.com, uh, you can just type in, uh, I think, light switch. There you go. BLE light switch with Feather NRF52840 and Cricut. Uh, so this is, uh, this. if you're interested, this will take you to uh, the 3D printed model file if you want to print that model, uh, some info about how it works, and then the code, essentially, I gutted all of the Bluetooth code that's in here, which simplifies it a ton, and then I also went to the cardboard hand, let's see, 
animatronic hand, I called it. I also went to this project into the code and grabbed some of my um, touch code. So code the CPX and Cricut here, this puppeteering mode. There were a couple of modes, but in this puppeteering mode, I did all of the checking the states of those cap switches. Uh, so that should get you going if you're interested in this type of project. Um, let's see, John Edwards said in YouTube, if you haven't dedicated CapTouch hardware in your micro, the FastTouch library by Adrian Fried does the trick without any mega ohm resistors. Oh, interesting, or MPR 121 breakout. Hey, that's really cool. Thanks for that tip, John. So uh, I'll, look, I'll look that up. It's called the FastTouch library, and that somehow uh, magics its way past needing the, the one mega ohm resistor. That's terrific. Thank you for that info. Um, let's see. I think that's going to do it. Yeah. So uh, thank you for stopping by today. And uh, I'm glad we were able to get together and check out some projects. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday with another JP's product pick of the week. And I think next week I'm going to be launching into some new projects on a new prototype board. I think you may have seen some uh, It's Not Out uh, top secret stuff from Lamore on this board. So I'll, um, I'll, I'll keep the suspense up and not tell you. But we should be uh, doing some cool new projects with some cool new hardware next week on this show. And on Tuesday I'll be doing a new JP's product pick of the week. So thank you everyone for stopping by. For Adafruit Industries, I'm John Park. And this has been John Park's Workshop. Goodbye, and no April Fools.